0: How is it different from, I mean, example, you're a B2B tech startup in Israel and you're selling in Israel versus going to the U.S.?
1: So it's extremely different because um, we're culturally different. We're just, uh, every country has its own culture and its own way of doing business. And I'll take you even to a more uh, funny example. I mean, you have the U.S. and the U.K., (laughs) And these are two English-speaking countries, supposedly, that are very different in terms of the culture, manners, uh, speaking style, um, what works, what doesn't work, um, and it, uh, what works in the U.S. just doesn't work in the U.K. and vice versa. <laughs> I am Maya and I am on the I Am podcast with lovely Mariah.
0: Oh, that's very sweet. <laughs> Welcome to our series entitled The I Am Podcast, a podcast about innovation, business, and most importantly, people. In this series, we'll be talking to founders, executives, and various experts about their vision, challenges, best practices, and lessons learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Welcome to The I Am Podcast, the podcast where we share the stories of startups, founders, innovators, experts, and entrepreneurs. So this podcast is powered by IamOps.io. Welcome to another episode. I am Mariah. And today, I'm so excited to learn how she helps B2B startups grow, like how they onboard their first client. You know, we need ROI. You guys need ROI for you to show your investors, right? So they help startups in Israel and U.S. And the rest, she will tell us more about it. Please welcome on the show, the CEO at Growth Engine, Maya Kaufman. Hey, Maya.
1: Hi, Mariah. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I am so excited. I've been following your posts and I have been getting value from it. And I'm sure startups and founders and entrepreneurs will also well how are you how are you (laughs) i'm good how about you i'm excited this year i mean this is very timely like how to grow right personally professionally career-wise so how about you well it's new year 2023 did you set yourself a goal or what
1: I know, I know. I think, you know, the the funny thing about recession is that growth gets this, you know, new spotlight of like right now, it's almost like the only thing that matters is like, you know, how we get more money in. Um so it's 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 definitely quite um quite exciting uh space for us to be in. And I think, you know, new year always marks this, you know, start of of something like a fresh start, um, you know, mentally, you sort of turn a page in your head and you sort of say, you know, 2022 was and, you know, what's going to be in the book for 2023. So I'm, I'm a big fan of goals. We we always have goals. Uh, for us, we're going to quadruple in 2023. Um, after we've almost uh, times, you know, 1,000 in 2022, um so it's um it's
0: it's going to be an exciting journey. Wow. Wow. Okay. We can't wait to tell <laughs> for you to share with us how to grow 1000 times this last year. Amazing. Okay. But before we go to growth and uh your uh your company, tell us more about you. Your career background, personal background and your passion.
1: Sure. So I'm a bit of an international creature. I uh, I was born in Israel, grew up in Australia, and been here for the past eight years or so, times flying, and uh, been in the B2B marketing and sales world for the best part of 12 years now. So it's been a long time. Um Started my career actually more in the marketing space, uh, doing more of the self-conversion funnels, content strategies, branding, and then somehow down the line shifted over to tech sales, uh, which has been an interesting journey because one of the things that uh, this mix of the two functions helped me see is really how marketing influences sales and vice versa and how to try and build a better relationship between, you know, what we do, what we try and do in marketing, which is to generate the traction and the leads, and what we're trying to do in sales, which is to close them and bring the revenue in, which is all part of the same effort. And I think it is also translated into what we do in growth engine to an extent where we sort of look at, marketing and sales as one holistic function that needs to drive revenue. So, you know, they both work with the CRM, they both bring in the value in different ways. It needs to connect um, and it needs to feed off each other as well. Be it like, you know, you're doing outbound versus you're doing content and inbound. It's all part of the same strategy and it really needs to support it. So uh, personally, I'm very passionate about tech and startup and I love meeting entrepreneurs. And people that have you know that spark in their eyes that they're going to change the world with whatever solution they they bring to market I, I absolutely love that, and i I really do enjoy it i mean my entire my entire career was built from a lot of passion, so I don't really feel like I come to work every day, I feel like I just come to play and and every day is like a new game where I get to do what I love so I, I guess I'm quite lucky in that sense that I really enjoy helping people uh better their interactions, how they convey messages, use the right strategies and tactics to get to the business results that they want. Uh, so I guess, uh, I, I guess you know, it really resonates with, the, you know, being an, an international person that comes from different backgrounds, sees different cultures, enjoys interacting with different cultures. It's been really good in that sense to be
0: where I am professionally find a work that you love and you never have to work a day in your life.
1: That's it. That's it. That's it. It's not a job. It's it's a passion.
0: I love it. Okay. And you said, yes, your entrepreneurial journey. I would love to uh, for you to share how it all started.
1: Sure. So, I mean, Growth Engine did come about a bit of a Corona baby um, sort of venture. So we did a lot of consulting uh, for startups, Uh, Not just here in Israel, but, you know, in Europe and the U.S. And then in time, I realized that there was actually a lot of lack of knowledge in the market about how to go to market, acquire initial clients. Do outbound marketing in a way that actually generates results. Like, you know, a lot of the questions that I even came across was like, you know, how do I even start an outbound, you know, functional? How do I even do it? Do I send an email? Do I go on LinkedIn? Do I make a call? You know, which data tools do I use? Um, do I need a CRM? Like, you know, it's it sounds like very basic questions, but actually um, not so basic because every little ingredient in that journey that you put together makes up the engine that you build for your company to generate revenue. So they're sort of small and basic questions, but actually big questions that I see a lot of founders, a lot of even VP sales and marketing um the head around in early stages of the startup. Uh, So this is where we started, you know, coming in at that very early um, stage and, you know, giving the advice and the feedback. And then in time, we started actually executing it for our clients as, you know, not everyone has the time bandwidth um, to do it internally. So we started doing a lot of um, outsourcing, outbound activities uh, for clients, but in their systems or in their serum so that they can see it, track it, learn from it, and then in time when they want to, they can also take it up internally and develop the function on top of the basis that we've implemented there. Uh, so that was the start of our journey. Um, I've been fortunate to have a great team that joined me along the way in different countries. Uh, the majority of our team is in the U.S., uh, so we are a bit of an international team, so a lot of the communication that we have internally is also on Zoom, uh, which I guess suits the fact that you know we're a COVID baby. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, that that was that's been our journey. It's 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 a really product led growth, I would say, because you know it was kind of understanding what the market wanted and just giving it to them and rolling with it. So there was nothing intentional, but just trying to give clients' real value and really help them build that growth mechanism and seeing it generating results uh, was an amazing experience. And, you know, it just attracted more and more clients to us. So that that was our initial establishment of Growth Engine. I
0: love it. Like you started working for a startup and you have to work around this specific budget and then you learned everything you have to learn, right? your way until you implemented it to your own company so wow let us know how you do it i mean the outbound how do startups grow how do they get on board their first client so talk to us more about your process
1: Sure. So, I mean, it does depend a little bit on the product. And that is a very, um, I guess, important thing to take into consideration is that your strategy will have to change if you are trying to target SMB or enterprises, if you are trying to find more technical people or more creative people. There's different strategies that you can definitely adopt. And you have to keep it in mind that, you know, first of all, defining your persona is definitely the first and most important stage. So really um, drilling down into developing a niche and understanding what that niche is. And when I'm saying be specific, I mean, be specific is saying, you know, it's uh, VP sales that, for example, in our case, that don't have BDRs or a VP sales in a company that raised X amount of money and don't have this function. Uh, and, you know, be specific about the industry, the position, the makeup of the internal team, uh, the budgets, any sort of information that from your experience can influence their decision or that in your uh, opinion, you can offer value. Like, you know, it might be that you can only offer value that to companies that, you know, have a turnover of over 100 millions per year. And that's fine because maybe you can only add 5% in the revenue margin with your solution. So be really specific about the target market. And then once you define that target market, try and understand what would appeal to those people. And, I mean, if your ideal persona is in the tech space, maybe they're going to want to see more technical, like, you know, case studies, white papers, uh, technical information, numbers, etc. If your um, client is in a more creative space, like, you know, in the marketing or sales space, perhaps you should send them a video. Um, So, you know, once you define your ideal criteria, you can define the channels that you want to engage with them and how you want to do it. So, I mean, the channels are always the same channels. Uh, For outbound, it's mostly email, LinkedIn, cold calling. And I can say that there is no channel that doesn't work. There's just different channels that suits different uh, target markets. Like, I mean, it could be that your target market is just simply not on LinkedIn. I mean, there's certain industries that don't use LinkedIn so frequently, and that's fine. You might better catch them over the phone. The other thing to consider is that often one channel doesn't get the job done. So, I mean, it will get you to a certain extent, but you know, we all get distracted by messages. Like, you know, we get emails, we get phone calls, we get LinkedIn messages, we see signs, like everyone's trying to grab our attention to buy something, right? This is 2023. So you really sort of have to be a little bit persistent and try different ways uh to attract people. I mean, one of the things that we really like to do at Growth Engine for our clients is definitely once we see some sort of engagement uh, on another channel, like let's say you know BH email, then we'll try and give them a call because you know if they've they've made an engagement but they haven't converted for whatever reason, we're going to try and implement another channel to get their attention. And also trying to sort of monitor whether you have engagement on one of two channels is a very good catalyst to whether you should add another channel and try and hunt that person down be it you know for a no or a yes uh, especially with outbound marketing because you're sort of going well, even if you are going abm so even if you have like a targeted list of customers that you do want to reach you're still spreading a net right because let's say you want to do business with walmart Maybe like, you know, if you're working in the enterprise space, there could be, you know, a 100 people at Walmart that could do business with you, right? This company has thousands and thousands of employees. So, you know, you are still going to, uh, spread a net and trying to attract those people and create a conversation with them. So, you know, it could be that some of them will be more engaged than others with your messaging. And those are the ones that you're going to want to then pull into a smaller target list and really try and, you know, get in contact with them in any possible way to see if they can do business with you.
0: So, what I understood is, first you have to develop or the buyer persona. You really have to niche down. Um, like the industry, the size of the company, uh, revenue, things like that, right? And so you know how to like appeal to them and then the channels where you can appeal to them or you can reach them out. So regarding reaching out, you said email, LinkedIn, cold calling, right? Do you have like at Growth Engine, do you also help them with the proper messaging? Like, okay, this should be the sequence of the messages you have to, to send them?
1: Yes, yes. So we do develop a sequence of messaging for every client that we work with uh, based on our experience, and there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely things that we can see across the board uh, that can work better than others. So there's definitely a format of messaging that we see that works better for certain clients. For example, uh, in the enterprise space, uh, usually the more punctual, uh, straight to the point messaging that explain how you can deliver an ROI with some sort of example, even if you can throw in, uh, you know, a line from a case study or do some name dropping of a few companies that you work with, um, that would generally be the format that works better for enterprise. Companies, I mean, this is just a general rule, right? There's lots of testing that we do in that space. And then uh, for the smaller businesses, surprisingly, longer messages can work really well. So, like, the more you repeat the value proposition and the financial figure of the benefit that you can deliver to them based on your past experience, case study, uh, type of ROI you've developed with similar clients, uh, the more likely you are to actually get a response. And I mean, it, it's quite funny to see that there's definitely different things that resonate, uh, with different people. And this is just one example of many. Um, but there's definitely a lot of best practices that go into play when you develop an outbound strategy. And I definitely recommend to look it up. And, you know, there's lots of resources online as well about, you know, which, which subject lines work. Um, good email templates that some people share so i definitely recommend to research it a little bit before you go and actually execute it
0: yes right so uh there's a ton of templates and you you have to find out what's working because a lot of uh ceo's example they say okay i a linkedin there's a lot of messages i receive and sometimes they they just get like sunk into the inbox or lost in the inbox so you really have to appeal to them. I mean, try out different channels. A uh, startup in the pre-seed, so they're really lean and maybe the marketing person is only one. How how does it work? I mean, when they get Growth Engine to help them.
1: So with Growth Engine, it's really, the strategy is really per client. So we don't have a generic strategy when we do it for you. Be rather sort of. Uh, first of all, it depends on whether your clients are SMB or enterprises, and it makes a big difference in terms of how we approach them. And then the channels also depend on where the people are. So I mean, there's certain industries where we know that the target market is really active on LinkedIn. Like for example, tech startups are really active on LinkedIn. It's really like easy to get to decision makers in startups via LinkedIn. So for st- like, if you know, if that is the target market, then we'll definitely go with LinkedIn, but we'll never go with just one channel. And I think that the key of the key of the message that I'm trying to bring to the table here is definitely don't limit yourself to one channel because the results that you can get by using only one channel versus using multiple channels are just not the same. You will get much better results.
0: Okay, and how do you help people build a list? So usually they don't have that email list, right? So how do you help them with that?
1: So there's different tools in the market, first of all, that you know um, that people can use. I mean, there's Zoom Info, Demand Science, Lucia. There's tons of tools in the market. Um, it really also depends on how niche the target market is. Like, for example, for certain... Um, Companies like, we have a client that works with a nonprofit sector. And whilst there is some data in the tools, uh, the the data tools, there's a lot more data right on the internet regarding nonprofit uh, organizations and charity organizations. And so we do use a mix of those data tools and actually researching. So what's really important actually before you start an outreach process, is to build a list of very targeted people that suit your profile. And even if you are working with a tool, don't just rely on the basic filter of, like, industry, company size, title, etc., because what you will find if you look through the list is that it's not accurate. So a lot of the times those data tools will pull out, like, you know, 60%, 70% accuracy, and then you'll have a lot of titles that don't belong to your target group, that, you know, probably won't buy your product, And if you just look at the title, you'll be able to pick it up. So, I mean, having those people in your outreach list and not filtering up them out before reduces the results of your effort. So you are, you are going through the effort, you're doing it, you're waiting the time to get the results because we know that an answer doesn't come in after a day without bound. And then you're reaching out to the wrong people, so you're not going to get the results. So, and I mean, the more accurate the lists are in terms of, having the ideal buy criteria on your list, the better are the results. And this can sometimes be a 40% difference, 50% difference. Like this is
0: huge. Wow. Okay. So yeah, so you really need to uh, do due diligence in your like researching before you even start outbound. Okay. I got that. And Okay. You also help them with content development, right? So they send, uh, they go to the emails, uh, different channels. And on social media, so how do you help them usually with content development? Sure.
1: So, I mean, it does depend on what stage the startup is. I mean, if a startup is usually very low on budget, even just outbound activity with no content, can definitely do the trick in terms of getting those new new customers on board and filling up the pipeline and showing investors the MRR or ARR. And, you know, that's what essentially gets you uh, what you need to, in order to do your job properly. Content comes into play uh, in two ways. First of all, you start like, you know, let's say you're working with LinkedIn, you start developing a crowd of people on LinkedIn that, you know, you're following you, you can engage with them. And then these people will get more exposure to your content if you do post content. So, you know, let's say you're reaching VP marketing in e-commerce companies, and then you've already connected with a thousand of those, and now you're going to start re- posting relevant content. Uh, there is a high chance that this very targeted persona is going to see your content, and perhaps they didn't convert through the outbound But now they're actually going to convert through the content. And we see that happening all the time. So I mean, content can be a complementing strategy to outbound. It can definitely like you know help in terms of sending content via the outbound, sending a white paper, sending a case study, uh, you know, getting a reply to outbound by not trying to sell a person something but by inviting them to a webinar. Uh, so to cook them, to slow cook them a little bit further before you straight reach out for the, for the sale. And I think there's no strategy that works better than the other when it comes to inbound, to, sorry, to growth for B2B companies. They're rather really complementary. So outbound and inbound are very complementary strategies. It's almost like, one without the other just doesn't work. Um, both of them can generate uh, results. I mean, you can do inbound and generate results. You can do outbound and generate results. But to reach the magic formula of maximizing your outbound and maximizing your inbound, you definitely want to mix the two. Because, you know, if you get engagement on your inbound, but it's not converting, you can send them over to your outbound or SDRs or people to speak with. And vice versa, like if you don't get an engagement, you can send more content, you can create more educational pieces, and you can really maximize your conversion. And if you're not doing one of the two, then you're probably leaving money on the table.
0: Outbound plus inbound through content marketing. Okay, love it. So (laughs) growth engine, so you from start to finish, right? Like, how long does it usually take? Is there a specific month that you help them with? Or how do you like can you explain the process sure
1: so outbound is quite a fast um, result um, mechanism so i mean outbound can generate results within the first month if outbound is not generating results between the the first and second month like you are zero results you're just doing something wrong so (laughs) um, either you have to change direction uh, or you have to do something but like if you're doing a test on 200 people and it's not working it's not going to work even if you do 2,000 people so that that's the first rule inbound does take a little bit longer um inbound can take a couple of months to actually generate traction uh, which is why a lot of startups uh, tend to start with the outbound but again there's um there is some criteria here as well i mean it depends on the client size the subscription amount i mean if it's a low uh, subscription amount, then maybe inbound will work better if you couple it with PPC. So there's really a lot of considerations um, in terms of what could be the ideal approach here, if there's no budget to integrate it to. Um, but outbound definitely generates results faster. And the nice thing about outbound that you don't have with inbound is that you get to make a decision who you reach out to. So you get to make a decision Who are the people that are going to potentially reply to you and have a meeting with you? Whereas with inbound, you know, you're throwing content out there, you're doing ads and anyone can click on them. Anyone can come through to the funnel and they might not be as qualified as they are in outbound because you get to pre-select them on some criteria beforehand.
0: Can you share with us? Yeah, the like one of the case studies, I mean, your company has helped the impact that you created in their organization or in their startup, because I understand you don't just help Israeli startups, right? It's also U.S. startups.
1: Sure, sure. So there's really a lot of case studies um, that uh, we've managed to get success, I mean, from generating Hundreds of thousands of dollars in, uh, MRR and ARR within a few months, uh, to pipeline of a few millions. I mean, it, it really depends on, on the client size. A lot of our clients do go for the bigger deal. So they like, they hardcore sell to enterprise. So the deal, uh, You know, the deal ranges uh, starts within 50 to 100K just to work with them. Some of them even have a POC of 25K and then, you know, working with them is like half a million per year. Mm -hmm. So it definitely takes time to put those big deals, but uh, we're able to generate really nice ARRs and MRRs. And then we've also had a couple of really good case study with smaller subscriptions where we've helped them. Both initiate initial deals through outbound and then develop a mechanism of self-conversion through inbound. So there's really a tons of different case studies out there. But if if there's one thing that I guess repeats in every growth engine activity, is that we try to automate some of the processes, if not all of the processes that we do to a certain extent. So I'm a big believer in working with CRM. Uh, you can choose, you know, whichever CRM you're comfortable with—HubSpot, Salesforce. There's tons in the market, uh, but work with a CRM, capture the data of your results, uh, know where your uh, leads are coming from, know who you're outreaching to, be able to capture them in the CRM so that you're able to retarget them in the future, be it through inbound, outbound, remarketing. You need to collate the data of your efforts into one place where you can monetize it in order to generate revenue from it.
0: Hmm. How uh, B2B needs CRM. So do you have any tips like about handling or um, is there any, like how many people should take care of the CRM? Who should take care of the CRM? Things like that.
1: Sure. So, I mean, I definitely start, you know, with something small. CRMs can be quite um have it to manage. Uh, There's more simple ones and the more difficult ones. But, you know, essentially, definitely the person uh, should be somewhere between marketing and sales. In in bigger companies, there's usually a revenue operations team that does it. But, you know, if you're just starting out, it can be anywhere from, you know, an account executive to even the VP sales sometimes handling it to an extent, um, especially in the initial stages of setting something up. I suggest that management be involved to a certain extent um, and decide what they want to track, what they don't want to track, what's interesting, what mechanisms should be part of the process. Um, And definitely like to have the sales team engage with it, because the sales team needs to record all uh, of at least most of their activities in the CRM. Because you know, then you have a person leaving a company and the data goes lost. Or you know you have a new person coming in and i don't know where this account is at and maybe you already have like you know maybe you're reaching out to 100 people from the same company but you have three deals in the pipeline with them as well and nobody knows so um all these things are really important and also like you know if you've engaged 100 people from a company and they haven't converted but they're in your CRM, there's so much that you can do with those people in terms of then sending them content, adding them to a newsletter, so many other ways to re-engage them so you don't want to lose that data. So it's, I guess the first team that should be working with CRM is definitely sales.
0: hmm Okay. And you mentioned about dealing with or expanding a new market. So how is it different from, I mean, example, you're a B2B tech startup in Israel and you're selling in Israel versus going to the U.S.? So it's
1: extremely different because um, we're culturally different. We're just that uh, every country has its own culture and its own way of doing business. And I'll take you even to a more um, funny example. I mean, you have the U.S. and the U.K. (laughs) And these are two English-speaking countries, supposedly, that are very different in terms of the culture, manners, uh, speaking style, um, what works, what doesn't work. Um, And uh, what works in the U.S. just doesn't work in the U.K. and vice versa. So... You know, in, in our interaction, what we found um, that, you know, working across markets, if I go to the UK and US example, uh, the UK market is definitely a lot more value driven. So they want to see some sort of a value as opposed to just numbers and how it's going to help them. They want to understand, you know, what value you can bring to the table, who are you, um, you know, what's the value of such offering before they want to get into the numbers whereas in the u.s market a lot of the time it's like okay just show me the roi and show me the numbers and that grabs a lot more attention in the initial phases um so it's, it's a bit more of a hard sell mentality as opposed to the british that are a bit more of a softer sell mentality and if you try and go too hard or too soft and it doesn't fit you know how the market talks and you can come you can come as too low, or you, you know, you might come out as not attractive enough, or you might come out as you know, overselling. And in any of those cases, you are going to make the other person walk away and not want to meet with you. So it's so, so, so different. I mean, US and Israel, completely different nations, completely different culture. I mean, you know, uh, there'll probably be Israelis listening to this, but in Israel, we tend to be a little bit more uh, straightforward. direct in our approach and it's a bit of a no-bullshit culture and people are very uh, accepting of the fact that you know you say things as they are even if it comes across as a a little bit rough whereas in the US market this can seem a little bit too rough so uh, they need um, that communication to be softer and even if you have a point you bring it to the table in a more polite way where in Israel they really don't mind if you take the politeness off the table and you just say things as they are. And they'll actually uh, be more um, appreciating of it as well. Whereas Americans can kind of go like, Ooh, what's happening? Um, I don't like that talking style. Even if they're not going to say that to you, they're just going to walk away and feel a little bit overwhelmed by how you just spoke with them or the tone of the message or the, the choice of words. Uh So there's a lot to do in terms of choice of words and the way we position the messaging, and how we talk as well. I mean, we work right now in over five different languages and 17 markets, and we can see a lot of intricacies. So I think before you go and do uh, an outbound to a specific country, it's really important to drill down and understand the intricacies that you want to tailor
0: your strategy towards. Wow, that's gold. Cool. That's a great tip to all the startups or founders that's listening to us, right? So if you want to go to the U.S., you really have to take those, well, again, due diligence, the culture, the right messaging, the right approach, right? Okay, well, to those who would like to ask you how to do outbound, how to build a list, how to choose the contacts or how, what what do you recommend? So, how can they reach you?
1: Sure. So, I'm on LinkedIn every day. So, just feel free to add me. I'm available for any questions. Happy to help. I'm I'm not writing a check for free tips. So, uh, feel <laughs> free.
0: <to add> <laughs> I love that value first, right?
1: <laughs> definitely, definitely a big believer in value.
0: If there's one thing you learned, uh, growing and building growth. Engine. What is that as an entrepreneur?
1: Wow. I think uh, the one thing that always sticks with me as an entrepreneur is that you have to be persistent. And you have to never give up. Because you can have really good days. And you can have shit as hell days. And everyone goes through them. And sometimes it feels like the stars are aligned in your way. And sometimes it feels like, you know, what am I even doing here? Um, But if you just keep through it, uh, things change. That doesn't stay constant. So if you go through, you know, a tough two weeks or a tough month or even a tough quarter, uh, it doesn't mean that that's what the next
0: quarter is going to be about. Love it. Like uh, very positive and mm. Resilient, one resilient woman. Okay, yeah, you, the way you started until you grow this business, and now you're helping B2B, not just B2B, but businesses, startups to grow, right? Okay, thank you, Maya, and all the best to Growth Engine.
1: Thank you for having me, Mariah. It was a pleasure.
0: This podcast is powered by IMOps.io, optimized cloud infrastructure and ICT process with imops.io dedicated DevOps team. Check out www.imops.io and get a DevOps team now. Make sure to check out www.imops.io if you want to know more about us. Subscribe to our podcast so you can get notified every time post a new video. Thank you and you have a great day.